Thanks to NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Get the free guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth, at netsuite.com. It's Tuesday, December 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, thank goodness, Emily Flippin is here. Thanks for having me back. Good to see you. Apparel retail is going crazy today. We're going to dip into the full mailbag, but we've got to start with apparel retail because this is nuts. We've got two stocks and a spread of nearly 60 percentage points in terms of how they are doing today. And it's Stitch Fix and Asina Retail Group. So <laughs> we'll get to these one by one. Stitch Fix, first quarter profits came in much higher than expected. And nobody seems to care about that at all. <laughs> uh, their active clients grew 22%. That was still a little bit lower than analysts were expecting. And then compounded by the fact that they come out and say, actually, we're not really going to grow that count in the second quarter. That appears to be what's hammering the stock, right? Because it can't be the profits. And, it can't, and they missed by a hair on the active mm-hmm. client growth. I mean, what world are we living in that our digital <laughs> online fashion retailers been hammered, but the classic, I guess, you know, hard hard store retail location is doing well? But yeah, it's Stitch Fix is not done well today, to say the least. They announced earnings after close yesterday, and it was exactly like you mentioned: slower active client growth. So. Ultimately, while Stitch Fix has a lot of great things working for it in terms of the data, the inventory, the stylist, some loyal customers, they still need to sell clothes. And when you don't have growing, um, at least not meeting expectations in terms of active client growth, that doesn't bode well for your ability to sell clothes in the future. So it was that in combination with the fact that you know that we're going into a holiday season, and management said we don't really expect to see growth as a result of the holiday season. Um, a little bit understandable. I'm not sure who is gifting clothes. I think more people subscribe to this as a service for themselves versus as a gift. Uh, so that wasn't quite unexpected for me. But for a lot of investors, you know, it, it did not paint a pretty picture. No, I agree with that in terms of what should be expected around the holiday quarter. That being said, I'm pretty sure that on the docket for 2019 is some sort of plan around the holidays to gift subscriptions to sort of get new people trying. Because people who subscribe, or, they hate that word. Stitch Fix, they hate that whenever you say it, it's not a subscription service. Okay, okay, fine. <laughs> um, but, but people who use this service really love it. Um, and so that would seem like a natural way to sort of, um, if they can figure out a way to enable the people who use the service and love it to give it as a gift next holiday season that would that would bode well for them i you know i shouldn't pick so much on sort of the wall street analyst expectations as a group because as you point out this is a growth stock and if they're not growing they're they're going to get hammered for it that being the case this is a stock that is down about 30% today it is trading for $18 a share and change 3 months ago it was over $50 a share is this a buying opportunity for Stitch Fix because this really seems like one heck of a sell-off in just three months' time. 
So I've, I've said this before. I spent a lot of time thinking about Stitch Fix, and I think the reason why we see such drastic changes, right? Fifty dollars, eighteen dollars. I mean, those are huge differences in price. I think that's because Stitch Fix is a binary stock. This stock is either going to succeed or it's going to turn into Blue Apron, right? So there really is very little room for a middle ground when it comes to Stitch Fix. So when they do not meet the expectations of a growth stock, the first thing that jumps into investors' minds are you know, this is a zero, not a one. This is not ending up well on the binary scale for me, so I'm selling off because it's going to nothing. Versus other stocks, when you have bad quarters, I think a lot of times people think, oh, it's just a bump, it's going to slowly grow. This is a company that's either going to make it or fail in a lot of investors' minds. So, I mean, if you're one of those people that really loves the service, really believes in their ability to attract people, to retain customers over the long term, sell that data to get people to buy more clothes, I mean, this is an amazing buying opportunity. And I know a lot of analysts here at The Molly Fool support Stitch Fix, love Stitch Fix, and I'm sure they're seeing this as a buying opportunity. Uh, but I also know that personally, myself, and I know other analysts disagree, because it's a binary stock. So, I think ultimately, it really just depends on which side of the fence you fall on. Is that because, is, is your feeling about Stitch Fix, is that personal about Stitch Fix, or is that the way you feel about binary stocks in general? That you're just as an investor, you're not interested in binary stocks. I would I would argue that I'm less interested in binary stocks um, than some people. I don't think that's an immediate deal breaker for me. For me, Stitch Fix. I mean, granted, I'm not quite their target customer. I don't spend a lot of money on clothes. I just didn't see it. I didn't see them retaining users for a long time. I reserve the right to be totally wrong about that. In fact, we talked about giving it as a gift. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this podcast <laughs> because I actually got her a Stitch Fix gift card for Christmas um, with the intention of kind of experimenting on somebody who does value convenience over price and would love to get clothes in the mail. So we'll see if she ends up retaining her. So Stitch they do Fix have a membership. gifting program. Well, they have the ability to send a gift card. Okay. Which to me is is not the best gift, right? Whenever somebody opens it up, it doesn't have that same kind of exciting feel. You just got a gift card. I think if they were able to implement something where I was able to send her her first fix, then maybe that would be more appealing for people as a gift. But some of that's to just awareness. I'm not sure if people are aware that Stitch Fix could be a present. So it'll be interesting to see what they do next year. Here's what's going in the other direction today. <laughs> it's shares of Asina Retail Group, which is the parent company of Ann Taylor, Lane Bryant, Loft, Justice, and the unfortunately named Dress Barn. Uh, and, and as we were talking about right before we started taping, thank God that at some point they, because Dress Barn used to be the name of the company, and thank God they changed it to Asina Retail. Um, Help me understand this. This is a stock that's up about 25% today. I get they did better than expected. Uh, same store sales were up 3%, which is not huge, but the expectation was for half that. So, is what's what's driving shares of Asina Retail? Is it simply this thing's been beaten down for so long that we're all stunned that they did as well as they did? That's exactly it. I think everybody has forgotten about a senior retail, and then they come out with this earnings beat way better than expectations, and people are like, oh, this company still has a pulse. I don't think that makes it necessarily a great buying opportunity, but just the fact that they are not directly going under made investors realize, hey, you know, maybe the retail space isn't as doomed as we thought. 
But I do think it's important to look at the differences between their different brands and how they performed, because there are stark differences. The benefits really came from the premium in the kids segment. So that's Loft Brand and Taylor, Justice for Kids. These are the segments that really saw that growth. And then virtually all their other segments declined. Um, so. Justice up 12% for same store sales. I mean, that's insane. So I think for them, it's going to be really just kind of picking out what's succeeding, what's not succeeding, and relying on those brands to drive growth in the future. Over the past year, the delta between these two stocks is nearly 100%. A it's senior, the same industry. It's the same industry. They're both selling clothes. Stitch Fix shares down about a little more than 20% over the past year. Asina Retail up more than 70%. This is bananas. I, and and I, I look at this, and I, I wonder, particularly in the case of Asina Retail, OK, they've got all these brands under the umbrella. Should they be getting rid of I mean, you're, you're not the first person, uh, because I mentioned that uh, over the weekend, uh, took my son shoe shopping, and the place we went to right next door was a dress barn. And you're the second person today who I've said that to, and the reaction, the words out of your mouth were, "Ah, I didn't even know those were still around." I <laughs> so, think I think they could drop dress barn, and I don't think anyone would notice. Well, that's the thing. I'm, I, like I look at that and go, "Okay, if if you're looking at justice and putting up double digit comps, I mean, clearly." If they're doing 12% comps, clearly Dress Barn and some of the others are dragging them down. Of course. Um, and it's so interesting. And it's a hard kind of segment to wrap my head around sometimes because retail within itself, I, I've mentioned this before on the same podcast, but I think we have premium and I think we have cheap now. That middle ground where a senior retail, a lot of their brands play, that's more challenging. And you'll notice that, you know, Loft, which posted 9%. Comp also posted an increase in the average selling price of their clothes. So they were raising the price of their clothes and then having to decrease the price of their kind of cheaper brands, and that increased their sales. So I think that might be a testament to the fact that, you know, people like Stitch Fix, you know, they're willing to pay a little bit more for premium clothes or they're going and getting, you know, very, very cheap discount clothes for what they're not buying premium. I wonder if that middle ground is going to exist. Before we dip into the full mailbag, quick shout out to NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform, not some one size fits all software. With industry specific support for a broad range of business, NetSuite works the way that your business works. And that's what you want. You want to be able to focus on your business. Thousands of the best known brands and fastest companies use NetSuite to manage their business, and now it's available to you. The power of the world's most popular cloud management system, more affordable than you think. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights to overcome the obstacles that are holding you back for free. So save time and money by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desk or phone. Get the free guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth, at netsuite.com. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Mike in Ohio. He writes, I have two questions. I've never had a stock I own be part of a buyout. But what is the general rule of thumb if you own a company that gets bought and the stock subsequently shoots up 20% or more? Do you sell and take the profit or hold the stock to own shares of the new company? What are the pros and cons of each? Uh, great question. I I don't know that there is a general rule of thumb. I feel like it's it, it 
I mean, this has happened to me a couple of times, and it just it just sort of depends. I know that's not a particularly satisfying answer, but to his point, in terms of like, what are the pros and cons of each? You're completely right that it depends, and it also depends on the type of buyout. So a lot of times you might get a cash buyout where a company is acquiring another one and you know it's not rolling into shares of the new company, right? You're just getting cash in your brokerage account in exchange for that share. In that case, um, it's important to remember that, that that's a taxable event, first of all. Whatever your cost basis is for that stock, you're gonna have to pay taxes on whatever cash you receive. And now you have to make a decision about what to do with that extra cash. Most of the time I think the average premium is about 25%. So a lot of times you as an investor are either really happy because you got a premium are really sad because this might be a company that you love that maybe no longer exists, at least not in the way that you've known it. Um, in this case, I think what our member is talking about is asking about when it's a stock buyout. So the stock shoots up and the shares that you own are going to translate into shares of a new company. And that's when the kind of decision making comes into play because you have to completely redo all your due diligence about that investment. Do you even want to own shares of that new company? So in that case, you have to kind of critically think about it and think, you know, I can sell this now and roll it into an investment that's a different investment. I could retain the shares of the new company. It's a personal investing decision. Um, the, I guess the kind of question is when you have a stock and it shoots up 20% and you're trying to figure out what to do in that in between period, um, you'll notice that a lot of times the stock price doesn't directly go up to the entirety of the offer price. And that's because there's always the risk of something falling through. So you can choose that if you want to cash in that opportunity, mitigate the risk of that buyout not happening and sell, you can do that. You can continue to hold. Um, because you love the company and you want to roll it into new shares, it really is an independent investing decision. I will just say that it's important to consider the taxable effects of whatever you're choosing to do. It is the proverbial good problem to have. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, we also see great companies that we love get bought out by. You know, I know, for example, Red Hat recently got purchased by IBM, and it's kind of a sad thing, I think, for a lot of Red Hat investors because they believed in that company, they believed in the culture, and then you have a company that has a completely different culture coming in and acquiring it. The question is, are they going to continue to do what they're known for doing? What I love that they do, uh, and. We don't know. So it can be a great thing as an investor. You can make a lot of money, but it can also be sad as an investor because you lose companies that you, you know, really hold a special place in your heart. Here's the second question from Mike in Ohio. And I'm going to bring in our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd, uh, to answer this. Because um, not that Dan isn't an investor, uh, but uh, this is not an investing question. And fortunately, it's right up Dan's alley. Uh, Mike goes on to write How do ducks not get frostbite when they swim in a near frozen river? Or lake? Great question, Dan. You're a birding expert. Uh, can you help Mike out with this one? Uh, well, number one, I don't want to call myself an expert here. I don't think I'm an expert, but I know a thing or two. You're an experienced birder. Uh, yes. So, ducks. Ducks are cool. Number one, you guys know about down, right? Like a down comforter or a down jacket? Yes. That comes from birds. <laughs> down is the type of feathers they have under their longer feathers that keep them warm in the cold weather. They also have oil that keeps the water off of these feathers uh, so they don't 
you know, get waterlogged and soaked down. And also, with their legs, birds can control the amount, or, or at least ducks can, and a lot of other birds can too. Like my dad and I were just talking about this morning when we went out in 25 degree weather to go bird watching about swamp sparrows and how they usually always end up keeping one foot in the water as they're foraging. Uh, they can control the amount of blood fo- blood flow to their feet uh, so they don't get hypothermic feet. And like, there's not a whole lot going on in bird feet. There's no muscles. It's just tendons, scaly, tough skin and bones. So there's not a whole lot of stuff that can get damaged by cold. So there you go. Bird facts here on Market Foolery. You're not getting that on Bloomberg, people. Uh, quick shout out to Dylan Lewis from the Industry Focus podcast. Uh, this morning, Dylan brought in bagels from a new deli in Washington, D.C., called with a great name. It's called Call Your Mother. Fantastic bagels and spreads. I can confirm the bagel that I had was excellent. Yeah. So, um, uh, I think this may mean we have to start being a little nicer to Dylan just so that maybe he'll do this more often. Over my dead body. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Emily Flippin, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.
will soon be over Christmas.